0: Welcome to the Tri Tech Games Podcast.
1: This is Bruce. This is John. This is Blix. This is Trav. This is Jay. Welcome
2: to the TriTac Games Podcast. Your podcast of proving that you were right all along, and now finally everyone has to listen to you. (laughs) (laughs) This week, we take up the gauntlet. Uh, And put a sword in it or some other type uh, of melee weapon and say, hey, just because we're playing a modern RPG game does not mean that we all have to bow at the altar of the assault weapon, the long range, you know, slug thrower or the beam weapon. We're going to go and say, yes, you can still have an effective
3: melee character and there's good reasons for doing it. And joining us tonight, we have a special guest, Paul Nunez, who's going to head up this topic. Melee weapons,
4: a.k.a. going medieval on them. Pointy end goes in the enemy. Exactly. There are times, yeah, well, yeah there are times when uh, sometimes the melee weapons trump the ranged weapons. You know, you could find yourself in a knife fight in a phone booth, and that longbow isn't going to help you out a bit.
5: Well, it might if you try to stick one end of it up his nose. <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, crowded theater when somebody shouts fire. You know, a a, a uh, one of those sales things where everybody's running around and having a riot about it. You know, that's when a that's when a nice longsword sounds pretty cool.
0: Yeah, or you're crawling around in tunnels and basically, I mean, like like I hate to see, like in Vietnam, the guys who went down the tunnels went down with a pistol and a knife, and they used the knife more. Yeah, the tunnel rats. Yeah, t- tunnel rats. They used the knife more than they used the pistol down there.
3: Just coming back from Total Con, I, I actually ran an adventure where it was um, guns versus swords and magic, and uh, they the guys with the swords and magic uh, didn't do too bad. Um, now, mind you, they did have magic, which kind of compensates for for the uh, for the ranged weapons, but uh, when you only have so many bullets, uh, and a sword doesn't run out of those. Um, you know, a sword can, can come in handy because, as we've found, playing Frenchworthy, you go to a world where, uh, where there are no guns, and you're great for a little while. And then when all your bullets run out, you're carrying a nice, heavy, uh, wooden and metallic club.
0: Well, I would say the XM-8 makes a very poor club. It tends to fall apart after the first whack on something.
3: <laughs> right. Well, well, I guess my, my, my point is is that once you run out of bullets, your gun's not worth anything. I mean, it's good for a couple.
1: Like a bayonet, yeah.
3: You could do that.
4: Yeah, you stick the bayonet on the end and turn it back into a
3: spear. Yeah, but you know what? A spear is better at being a spear than a than a gun with a and,
4: bayonet. Uh,
2: and and just to be clear, Peter, uh, guns are all. I mean, uh, blades are always out of bullets.
6: Well, true, <laughs> true, true. But they, but, but they. Okay, I stand corrected.
3: <laughs> I,
5: I guess it's a matter of what you train with. Somebody who's trained with a, a uh, rifle and bayonet combination, somebody who's really worked at getting his moves down right, is going to beat an amateur with a real spear or a real sword every time.
3: Well, that's tr- that's true, but you got to keep all things equal. Why? But, I mean, when you're using an example. But but I will say this. I mean, in Jay, you're right, and especially in, in a role-playing game situation – if, um, unless you're playing something super, super, super crunchy, if you're playing something like Savage Worlds, there is no difference between a rifle with a bayonet on the end and a spear. Um, and I guess in many ways in D20, there really isn't much difference either, I don't think.
5: It counts as a double-ended weapon, and so there's a feat you get so that you're not – so that you can use both the pointy end and the clubby end at the same time. And then it starts getting uh, – uh, then it starts getting interesting. But uh, if you're getting that crunchy with it, you know, the game might bog down yeah, a little it
4: bit. it kind of goes to melee systems and game mechanics and how well they want to plot it out, down to things like blood loss, damage to bone structure, lock, cut tendons, cut musculature, or it's just, hey, you took five points of damage and, and you're slowed for two rounds because of stun. There's a huge difference between fast action and medical accuracy in all the
5: systems out there. I was about to yell "Gray's Anatomy," the role-playing game, but that calls up a whole different image.
2: Yeah, but there's also a big difference between a three-foot gun with a one-foot bayonet on it and an eight-foot-long spear when it comes to reach and uh, and, and the ability to throw it accurately if you need to.
4: I'll go to World War One with the uh, the old Mausers and the old Enfields.
0: I mean, yeah. Yeah, they're not balanced. I mean, yeah, I've seen, I've actually seen World War One um, bayonets, and they're they're big things. I mean, they're you know, they're, they're at least twelve to 24, 24 inches in some of them. Some are like mid- midget swords.
5: Apparently, Skippy got in trouble in the army for mounting a World War One era bayonet <laughs> on his M sixteen.
0: Yeah, some of them, yeah some of them, you know you, you you I would imagine would be better used as a sword than, or at least a short blade than as a bayonet than as a spear.
4: Some of them were swords.
3: Let me put in one thing here. Um, if you want to take it to the extreme, I used, I used to study kung fu, and there was a guy, there was a guy in my class who was an expert with a spear, and to see him use that thing was darn scary. I mean, and you could not whip a rifle around and do the stuff with a rifle, with a bayonet on it that he was doing. So, in the right hands, a spear is ungodly deadly.
1: Oh yes, Blix, I I took Kung Fu for five years as well and yes, I've seen uh, a spear and a staff being used and whatnot, and yes, you could not spin any type of long arm, firearm in that way. Just the balance is wrong, the composition is wrong, the shape is wrong, the weight is wrong. It can't be done.
2: All right. Well, well, Paul, wait, 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 Paul, why don't you get back to, you know, why and when melee weapons trump range weapons?
4: Well, a good part of that falls back into, into safety. You know, sometimes the, using your range weapon is going to be inappropriate. You're going to be in a city or something like that, and there's going to be targets beyond, or there's going to be objects beyond your target that you don't want to hit, whether that's a crowd, that's a a middle school or that's a oil refinery. So part of it might just be common sense and safety. It might be a silent attack. You know, the, if you're still going to infantry school today, they still teach you how to use a garage and they teach you how to use an entrenching tool for removing sentries. The other guy's lookouts yeah, sometimes it's, it's all about the silent attack and not alerting everybody for miles and miles around. And for our listeners in Europe, I refer you to kilometers.
2: Yeah. What, uh, a lot of times combat doesn't happen on opposite sides of a great big wide field. A lot of times combat happens literally with the guy standing next to you or in crowds and things like that. So being able to, uh, uh, to use uh, any kind of a long arm – is usually pretty hard under those circumstances, where using something, a smaller weapon, a knife, uh, and a short blade is, you know, much more possible. And if you are within the other person's reach, it's very, very hard for them to use any kind of a projectile weapon, uh, because you have the advantage of the knife being an extension of your own hand, knocking it away, uh, disabling the, the hand uh by slicing it off by having a blade right
5: there one thing i uh one thing i enjoyed uh was the idea that the uh old pirate black powder pistols they had sharp protrusions at the end of the uh handle where you gripped them because after you fired them you turned them around and then they were a hammer and apparently quite quite efficient at cracking people's skulls open so there might be these mixed-mode weapons, 'cause Because, yeah, one shot, and you're dun- and that and it's dun- throwing bullets for the fight. You might as well do something useful with it.
1: Yeah, because it took like 15 seconds or more to try to reload the thing, and just at, in the middle of a, a fight like that, you don't have the time. It was just that one shot to try to down somebody, and then you went in with the cutlass. So yeah.
5: Or or you or you carried a brace of pistols, which means you put pistols all over yourself and pulled them, fired them, and dropped them. Uh you use
3: lanyards. Let me bring up one other uh, one other instance that I thought of that that uh, range or melee weapons have over ranged weapons. Um, you know, for the most part, you know we talk fringe worthy a lot, but I mean this this could happen with uh, any number of games where you you go into any kind of situation where the enemy doesn't have guns, and you don't want to bring that out yet. You know, you want to kind of keep that uh, in its place, or maybe you don't want to show it at all for whatever reason. Um, you may have a really good reason for not pulling out your gun because you don't want the enemy to find out. Maybe if they see it, then they'll all jump on you and try and take it, or you might be cast as some kind of uh, wizard or something. So,
5: I, re- I remember the, the scene in uh, Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's court where Sir What's-His-Face is going to cut uh, What's-His-Name right in two, and he pulls out a gun and shoots him and says, that's the end of that. It worked out okay for him, but I, you can kind of see where it might not.
0: Yeah, I also think it also depends on character concept, as you pointed out. You you say kung fu. I mean, uh, one of the characters, in uh, in, uh that's in the fringe uh It's gonna be in the fringe the game is Hong Chang. She's a martial artist. She's uh, she, she she uses martial. She basically she uses a staff. She's good with a bow. Uh, that's pretty. But she's mostly a martial artist, and her skills is are you know, r- around you know hand to hand combat, fighting with a staff. You know, she's, you know, the stealthy person to sneak up behind somebody and whack them across the side of the head and hopefully take them down with one blow.
5: Martial arts, martial arts are good to have. And I I would kind of encourage any fringe worthy people to start developing the talent. The thing is, martial arts is really size dependent and condition dependent. And it's also really dependent on uh, on how much you've been practicing. I studied I studied Kung Fu back in the 80s. And I would break myself if I tried any of that right now.
0: It's also rules dependent.
2: Right. Well, before we get into the rules, um, I did want to also mention the fact that uh, anybody who knows anything about martial arts, and I'm referring more toward the karate and type things, you know that they, uh, they, they specialize in usually combination attacks where you will hit somebody sometimes five or six times with the same attack by you know, leveraging, you know, one hand with the other and using an elbow on the return and other things like that. Uh, guns are not trained that way. I mean, we're, they, there is some training on the fast draw, but almost always gun training is on accuracy. It's not on rate of fire. So if you need to deliver an awful lot of damage in a, in a really quick amount of time, unless you have an automatic weapon in your hands, you uh, Hand-to-hand martial arts is
5: the way to do it. Most game systems are not terribly kind to automatic weapons. I mean, um, I, I'm thinking of D20 particularly. Without a couple of feats involved, uh, any shot after your first is going to be pretty much blind luck.
0: Well, having I think both me and Paul can probably attest this. Actually having a fully automatic weapon... If you do go full auto, chances are you're going to be hitting a lot of things around the target and not the target itself.
4: But full auto is meant for area, not individuals. Right, it's, it's, it's for shooting into a
2: bunch of guys.
4: Not really. We use it use it for suppression. If you if you're bum rushed by a crowd, you can hold down an area fully automatic. It's like the least used feature, really. But there are some tricks you can use, like um taking your old M sixteen A one, if you use if you turn it on its side and you work from your right to your left, you can use the muzzle climb to your advantage because it will sweep across your targets instead of of the of the barrel climbing up into the sky.
0: Yeah, though I will say while I was in the service, there was it was a it was an ex-Vietnam vet who had re-upped and came back. And he did, demonstrated how you do a three-round burst with M16, and oh my lord, it was pretty watching him fire, doing th- perfect three-round bursts, and seeing just three shells fly through the fly through the air, air every time he fired. And he, he was—he—he he knew how to do it, and he was hitting the target just fine every time with three-round bursts.
5: Once again, practice, practice, practice. Well, oh, that's true for any weapon usage
3: as I understand it, three-round burst is, is the is the uh, the preferred uh, rate of fire when you're firing at you know groups of people or or even at a single person because you get you get a couple extra bullets in there, but it's not enough to throw it crazy, and you're not and you're not blowing through ammo as fast.
0: It's actually a feature of many modern assault weapons. There's a setting for three-round burst.
3: As I understand it, doesn't the M16 now, doesn't even have a full-auto setting. It just has three-round burst and single-fire.
4: The M16A2, the M4 carbine, both have safe, semi-automatic, and three-round burst. At the special operations command request, the M4A1 is, again, fully automatic. Really? Wow. Semi and fully automatic. Hmm.
0: Okay. Yeah. I think part of the reason was because, well uh you watch any vietnam movie and you'll see the reason why they they decided to get rid of um full auto the guy just was just empty empty the empty empty rounds into into the forest and not hit anything and then all of a also they're out
5: of ammo i believe the uh, maneuver was called spray and pray
4: yeah it's it comes down to discipline and training and when you got conscripts that you churn out in 8 weeks and then you then you ship them around the world yeah you're, they just removed the fully automatic feature for that reason. It's the same reason the M14 had the you could remove the the selector switch on the M14, making it safe and semi-automatic only. Because the, the M14 is also a weapon that, with the introduction of the, of a special key, it can go over to full auto as well.
5: My dad, uh, my dad used the uh, M14 and the uh, and the M1 and the M16 in his career, and he said he really liked the M16 better because it was lighter and you can carry the weapon and lots of bullets and not be tearing your shoulders up with it.
6: Astonishing swordsmen and sorcerers of Hyperborea is sword and sorcery role-playing at its pinnacle. Play an Amazon fighter, Atlantean magician, Eskimo shaman, Hyperborean warlock, Ixian necromancer, Celtic barbarian, Kimmerian cataphract, Pictish thief, Viking berserker, or one of many other possibilities. The heroes of a Hyperborea campaign delve the mazes and labyrinths of vast dungeons filled with horrifying monsters, lethal traps, and bewildering puzzles. They explore savage frontiers, breach hostile borderlands, probe ancient ruins, and investigate cursed tombs. They plunder for treasure and magic in a decaying world inhabited by bloodthirsty beasts and weird otherworldly beings. Explore endless challenges and infinite realms of imagination with this complete sword and sorcery role-playing game. Astonishing Swordsmen and Sorcerers of Hyperborea is presented in a box-set format with contents including Player's Manual, Referee's Manual, Poster Map, six polyhedral dice and six character sheets available now at swordsmen and dash that's s-w-o-r-d-s-m-e-n-a-n-d-s-o-r-c-e-r-e-r-s.com
3: but hey guys we're talking melee weapons
4: anyway um we've been speaking about crunch here a little bit. So yeah, back to the melee systems. We've talked about a little bit about D 20, but Trav is going to help us out. Trav is going to come out with what is your advantage in D 20 to being the melee weapons guy.
1: Okay. Yeah. I kind of bill myself as the D 20 junkie and I happen to have D 20 modern here on the feats page. Now, when you fight melee and D 20, Having feats, and obviously you're only going to get feats every level, so you're not going to be able to be a master of all trade or jack of all trades, you're going to have to specialize, and it depends on the type of weapons, I mean you have um, light weapons like rapiers and knives, you have swords, you have pole arms that have reach, you have, you know, you can go blunt, sharp weapons, and so you need to specialize in the type of feats that you want in order to do this
5: now uh Trav, let let me go ahead and point out here that you can have a a generalist kind of character but he'll never be as good at 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 one thing as somebody who specializes in that and d20 really rewards uh a a focused build towards a specific uh uh profile that you're aiming for
1: oh yeah if you have a um uh let's say a a guy who fights Florentine, which you would need the two-weapon-fighting feat tree, which is two-weapon-fighting, improved-two-weapon-fighting, and advanced-two-weapon-fighting, and, advanced and you get those three feats in that succession based on you having the prereqs. That just means that you get extra attacks with your offhand, and for Florentine, is usually a longer sword or a rapier and a dagger. I have a friend of mine who is a master fencer in the Pittsburgh area, and he and his wife both would fight florentine and i saw it, and it was fantastic uh, also you would have uh let's see other you have a uh, weapon focus which would just you specialize in that one weapon and you get a plus one bonus to it now if you do d20 and you're taking the soldier class which is sort of the equivalent to the fighter you can do weapon specialization and the prereq is weapon focus which means yeah, okay, you already have a plus one to strike with that particular weapon, and you have to name the weapon, and you can do it weapon-focused with different weapons, like uh, dagger,
5: longsword. Well, that, that that kind of feat structure mimics somebody who spends a lot of time practicing, a lot, a lot of time getting perfect with, his, with one single weapon.
1: Yes, the weapon-focus allows you to hit easier the weapon specialization. As I said, those of you who played D&D, you know that weapon specialization will be Okay, you have to be a fourth-level fighter minimum, and then you can take that feat. In that case, you also get a plus two to hit. Now, that's either that... No, plus two on damage. Plus two on damage, yes. Thank you, Bruce. Um, You get not only accuracy, but damage, either by learning to manipulate the weapon to just hit harder, or you are learning finesse in the matter of, okay, I know how to use this weapon to hit him in a vital spot. Either way, it translates out to plus two damage. Uh, Let's see, we also have... Well, obviously, you have the simple and archaic proficiency, and simple is the stuff that you can pick up, like clubs, knives. Archaic weapon proficiency is where you get into swords and bows and things that take a little more practice. If you don't have those feats...
5: How does does the archaic weapons proficiency map out to the uh, D&D martial weapons proficiency?
1: Same. Simple weapon proficiency is same in D20 and D&D. Archaic and martial. It's just a matter of name change. It's still the same feat.
0: Don't you default to simple weapons? Is negative like a default feat you automatically have?
5: Yeah, every everybody is proficient with simple weapons, but that's like a club.
1: Yeah, like the smart hero and all the the stat based classes for D20, you get simple automatically. It's just you've picked that up as part of your backstory. you could pick up a club and anybody can use a club. Archaic weapon proficiency would be something that you would have to take as a feat. You've learned it. you have taken fencing or you have taken Kenpo or or not not Kenpo uh kendo or you have you know done
5: florentine whatever been in the s c a or something
1: right exactly that too. so you would have to earn that, but everybody gets simple as a default. Let me see other uh melee feats no brawn that won't work um
5: you can't you can uh, use the uh, dnd list of feats with a 20 modern character if it if it works for the story background right it's not like it's good you're going to break everything pulling in uh oh uh example feat here wow hello jay's brain is not present in the podcast but yeah
1: well no i i i get what you mean and i I recommend this book greatly if you want to do cross genre. The Second World book so by Second World Simulations, where they teach you, okay, that you want to do a cross genre game. You want to bring D and D feats into a D twenty modern game, so your guys fight more with melee. Okay, this is how you would do it, and most of them just translate over. D twenty is that universal of a system. That's why I, I use it in that particular book. And quick draw, obviously, that will help you. You could simulate quick draw not only you know for melee weapons, and I'm going to probably mess up the Japanese pronunciation. Ei jutsu. You got it. How how a katana is drawn quickly, the quick draw would would mimic that. And of course, if you got a melee weapon, and you know somebody is there, you know, mess with it. You, you pull that out that quick and get that action in. That could mean the difference between life and death if you can get that sword out and get a good swing in. So yeah, quick draw would be another good feat to have for melee combat.
5: Do you have to specialize a quick draw for a melee weapon or a uh, firearm, or is it the same quick draw for all of them? It is any weapon. And Bruce, you were about to say, sir?
2: I was going to say is that if you use the uh, massive damage rule that is in D20 Modern, uh, if you get... Uh, the person who strikes first can literally take the other person out.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, for those not familiar with the D20 rule, you have your con, which is your massive damage threshold. If after damage reduction whatnot, you take hit point damage in one attack, And it can be from several sources. Let's say you take it from physical and fire, for example. If altogether that lumps into an attack that does more than your hit point con value, you have to make a DC 15 fortitude save, and for every five that you bypass that massive damage threshold, that's a plus one to that fortitude save, which means if you take... If I have a 15 con and I take 20 points of damage, that's a DC 16. If I fail that saving throw... I dropped a negative one, and I'm unconscious. D20 Modern made combat like that to be very cinematic, very quick, very dangerous. Right. So, uh, let's see, I'm trying to figure out... Oh, Weapon finesse. Oh my god, I forgot that feat. Uh, Weapon finesse allows you to use your dex modifier instead of your strength modifier with a melee weapon.
5: So, fast people with rapiers can do horrible damage like big guys with battle axes.
1: Yes, you choose one light melee weapon, a rapier if you can use it with one hand, or a chain. Uh, prerequisite is proficiency with the weapon and base attack bonus of plus one, which most first level characters are going to have. With the select immediately weapon, you may use your dex modifier and so your strength modifier on attack rolls, and you get weapon finesse, you have to pick it each time with a different weapon. So you will be training to use light weapons like a rapier and a dagger. If you want to do the Florentine style and use all dex, you have to buy the separate feats for each weapon. But weapon finesse is really good for the swashbuckler type guys or the martial artists who do not rely on strength like a boxer or... Um,
5: Wait, you have to buy weapon finesse differently for each weapon?
1: Yes, because you are you are practicing to be more agile than strong with that particular weapon. And it, it is a matter of training in real life. I w- when I took the five years of Kung Fu, I, ha- I had to learn to use staves and sim- uh, swords, the one with the nine rings on it, and I believe I did have to use a spear and um, tanfa and knife, so yeah, I would have had to.
5: You had to, or you got to, and waved them around with a giddy grin.
1: Well, I got well, I was kind of nervous at first because I didn't want to like hit an instructor or something. I mean, I took it for five years and I was kind of nervous about doing that,
5: but yeah, I, I know, I know how I approach staves and 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 other uh, leverage items when I was in class,
1: yes, um, but yeah, weapon finesse. That would be for your swashbuckler type characters, who they may not be necessarily a really big guy, but they're fast.
4: All right, Trav.
1: Yes. Do
4: you rate the rate the d20 system as is a is a fast system for gameplay, or do you? How do you rate it for its accuracy as far as weapons and how they would work in the real world?
1: I would see, it's a bit cinematic. I mean, they do have the massive damage threshold, which tells you, yeah, combat is dangerous. But, I mean they don't get hit locations is more an optional rule. So it's like, oh, I want to use this melee weapon
5: to and I'm just going to yeah, I'm going to The sw- default is that real abstract hit points where yeah, it
1: is. It's it's hit points and even in Star Wars D20 they did vigor points and wound points which you could use with normal D20. They put that in the Second World Sourcebook and they didn't bring up Star Wars, but if you played the game, you know what they were talking about. But um yeah, uh I would say it's a little more cinematic not so much medical accuracy because, as I said, called shot rules in Pathfinder, which is basically DD 3.75 as far as I'm concerned, they did have called shot rules, but I believe it was in one of the later books like Ultimate Combat. It was not in that big, thick core rulebook. So, yeah, D20 is usually more fast action. Cinematic, not quite as cinematic as uh, Savage Worlds from what I've read because I had to make a Savage Worlds character for a previous podcast that Bruce
5: used at DragonCon. So... I would say it's more cinematic. You just
1: It's hit points
5: and you're done. Somebody who's a real munchkin about it, somebody who really works the crunch over, can make combat take a while because uh, they're using lots of different maneuvers and feats to their advantage and you get into some things. But most of the time when I run D20, it's a matter of, okay, roll to hit. Did you hit? Okay, roll damage. Okay, next guy in line. Let's go. And so it's, it's... It's about the movement and about keeping the combat uh, moving instead of, you know, everybody gets a turn to play chess with it and we all go to sleep until the next round comes around. Somebody goes out for
1: a smoke break. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. John and Savage World. Yeah. Good say. I'm. I'm glad I did that saying. And okay, John, how would that work in Savage Worlds? Because I, I know there's edges and hindrances and whatnot. And as I said, I read very briefly when I made uh, Duke Williamson. Okay. Well, uh, hindrances
0: won't actually apply unless you take lame or missing limb. Then you have a modifier right there uh missing limb will d- depend on you know as a hindrance it depends if you take the your good hand or your bad hand you know has your missing limb but because on the edges there are lots of edges you can take uh that can make that determine how your character reacts and how he um uh can fight oh, but also the, the other important thing is because the uh there's only five uh, attributes Uh, uh, agility strength smarts spirit and vigor uh you have a smaller you have a and the only and and they're um your levels are described by die types so if you have uh d8 and agility you're uh, you're about above average most people are d6s but that really determines you know that gives you a um some idea uh, ideas uh, most character an average person would be all d6s and all those stats so you can you can dump a stat and bump up your agility which is what your fighting skills based on to say d8 or you can not take an edge and and have anything at d6 and bump it up you know that's that's character building uh but it comes down to it um depending on the book which book you're which which book you're playing and which flavor you're playing some of the world books will give you a free edge. We're giving you your free edge and fringe worthy. Uh, some don't, so you may you can start with up to three ed- three edges to to, to, yeah, to begin with, or you have two edges, and I would almost and because edges are listed by your ranking level. So are you a novice? Well, yes, you are. So that limits you which which edges you can take initially. Uh, I'm thinking which which what, 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 what would I say take? Well, I would almost want to say.
3: You talking for melee or for uh, firearm or for both?
0: Actually, no, for, well, some some cross crossover like quick draw. Quick draw works for any weapon.
6: Sure. Yeah,
3: you
0: know, and, um, but there's some... Uh,
3: two-fisted, I think, doesn't it, as well?
0: Yep, two-fisted allows you, now. two-fisted allows you to, to use both hands without an action penalty. However, you do get off-hand penalty unless, unless you take Aberdextrous. And Ambidextrous is a background edge, so depending on your GM, you can only take it when you build the character. You can't get it later on in life.
3: And and John, I would say um, for Savage Worlds that there tends to be – it tends to favor melee weapons and hand-to-hand in the way of edges. There's more edges for mm-hmm. – um, you have more to pick from if you go with either hand-to-hand or melee, those type yeah. of skills. Uh, now there are some good ones for ranged.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, marksman's great one.
3: Oh yeah, marksman, marksman's great, and I like rock and roll. Yep, because that that gives you the that gives you the spray and pray, but you don't get the minus for the for the recoil.
0: That's true. Um, I'm thinking for for hand for for melee combat. Uh, I would look at oh
3: frenzy's nice.
0: Well, not frenzy. No, first strike. Now I was saying first first strike. Uh, first strike is a unique edge in that. If a foe moves adjacent to you, you can attack him before he gets a chance to attack you. And if you also take quick draw, you can stand there looking like you're not armed. He steps next to you. All of a sudden, there's a sword in your hand sticking through his body. At that point, and he doesn't, and you catch him off guard. The, uh, catch him off guard. So first strike would be great because that allows you later on to buy improved first strike, which allows you to do this on multiple foes that come come next to you at, in combat and basically get up for a first strike. There's also counter strike where if the guy fails his attack, you can you can, well, attack. Attack right back.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, John, that that's kind of like the feet whirlwind attack where if you have the high enough Drake's intelligence, you perform a full round action, you can give up your regular melee attacks and instead of make one melee attack at under high highest base attack bonus against everybody adjacent to you. That kind of sounds like what you're talking about where you just you're sweeping. You're just hitting everybody and it's it's just you it
5: mm-hmm. also sounds like a uh also sounds like a uh attack of opportunity kind of a thing where you're if somebody moves through your if somebody moves through your area you can attack them just cuz they walked past
0: yeah and in fact it's more yeah it's more attack opportunity uh though if you this this allows you to uh uh especially in the improved version do this multiple times against multiple foes so that's uh, that's one thing. Um, I'm thinking. Well, it's improvisational fighter is is another great one you can take later on when you get higher higher levels, higher ranked. It allows you to uh, ignore basically if you're using a, um, improvised weapons like a table or a chair, uh, beer bottle. Yeah, yeah, a fire poker. Thank you. Uh, you can ignore the uh, the the minus one penalty for using improvised weapons, and you can actually uh, parry with it which is nice.
3: Let's, let's take us from a more 10,000-foot approach, though. Uh, you know, you have a, we have edges, and we could go all day with edges. There's tons of them, and you go through different books. But, but take this from, from, a, from a, a broader perspective of Savage Worlds, Melee versus Range. Savage Worlds is very forgiving on things, and very you know they want to keep things quick. You can close distance like crazy in Savage Worlds. If you're doing Melee and you go into a full-on run... Uh, you can usually get if they're in the same room as you you can almost always make it to your opponent um, it's it, it's rare that you can't to caveat that though range for for ranged weapons is pretty good so if they catch you in an open field and the to hit to hit somebody who's with a ranged weapon is usually pretty easy
0: that's why you take dodge is one of your at as one of your edges
3: <laughs> right right you want to have dodge and, and as you get up get advanced dodge um, but but, you know, so there's a lot of give and take. Now, another thing with Savage Worlds, when it comes to the whole melee and, and range and stuff, uh, as a hero, you have you have a lot of advantages coming your way. So let's say you've got a melee weapon, and you're going up against somebody who's got ranged weapons, and you're going to full-on run at him, and it's going to take you two rounds to get to him. There's a good chance he's going to hit you in between before you get to him. Oh, yeah. You know, because it's not, it's not hard to hit with a ranged weapon, and, and if he doesn't do anything special or crazy or, or aim for your eyeball or something, good chance he's going to hit.
0: Well, it also depends on which car, on the deal of the cards too so if he gets the joker he's going first and he gets a plus 2 on top of that because of that because of the card effects uh and for those you're not rolls uses uh, uh cards to determine um uh, initiative and the higher the, you know basically it's
3: uh it's a reverse alphabetical
0: yeah reverse alphabetical so spades spade tops everything Mm-hmm. And jo- and jokers let you go whenever you want to, and give you a bo- a plus two bonus on top of that, to everything.
3: But what I was what I was saying though is that you're trying to close that distance. Even if he gets a hit off on you, you can you have bennies usually that you could spend to soak that damage, and then close in and go at him with a with a melee weapon. Yeah. Uh, and and in Savage Worlds, they take into account uh being too close to use ranged weapons so if he if you're right on top of somebody going at him with a knife the game master can say you can't use your pistol against him or no, if, uh,
0: well, well no pistols actually pistols count as close as close in weapons
3: hold on hold on hold on i was gonna say I was, I was trying to trying to get to that um as a game master you you could make that ruling depending on the situation like if the guy's like right on top of you but you're right John you can use it as a close range weapon but he gets his um he gets his parry at that point. So if he is really good with a sword, and he gets within sword range of you, and you try to shoot him, he gets to parry your weapon. That's his defense. It's not a four anymore. Now he's in the game. He's fighting. And if he's really good, you're in trouble.
1: So you mean he smacks the pistol out of the way. He's not, like, using the sword to deflect bullets. He's just smacking you, you know, the weapon so it'll fire away. Okay, got it.
3: What's, Well, Travis, it's that, it's that, but also um, in Savage Worlds, fighting is fighting. So it's... Yeah. That includes hand to hand. He could just be sidestepping it, or blocking it with his hand, or, um, or dodging it. Okay. Really, because he's close enough that as your arm moves to 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 clock on him, he's stepping out of the way of it, just like he would if you were if you were trying to stab him with a knife. So it makes good. It makes sense, and it and it, it really does add to the to the fun. Of, of the whole Savage Worlds environment, because it's, it's like, oh, you have a gun, and I have a sword. It's like, yeah, but I'm close enough to use my sword, so you are in trouble.
1: Oh, I was going to say, in D20, when you want to do that, it, you can't fire when you're in melee. If you're in melee and you pull a gun, you get a free five-foot step back, so you have enough room to fire. You cannot be up close to a person and fire on them unless you're doing a coup de grace, which means usually they are helpless or pinned or unconscious, and then you're just, you know, bullet to them.
3: But you know what? If, if you're using a handgun, that's unrealistic because, I mean, you can literally just stick a handgun into somebody's belly and pull the trigger.
0: Yeah. Also, they designate certain weapons as close combat compatible. Like anything in a bullpup configuration, basically, you can sling it under your arm and fire it.
3: Yeah. And and again, that would be in some ways, you know, you're you're going to get into DM or Game Master decision. You know, he might say, you know, sort off shotgun. Does that count? Depends.
1: Yeah. And in D20, they it's, of course... Bruce saw the number of folders I have. There are plenty of third party rules if you want to get into melee versus ranged. It's RPG Objects was a real good one for melee range because they did like two or three different PDFs on martial arts alone called Blood and Fists.
3: But but I think I think Savage Worlds did a good job of of balancing it out so that you could play either type of character and not feel like you're getting overrun.
0: Now, no, there's some aspects of Savage Worlds that can, can really benefit you. I mean, if you can get the drop on somebody, that's a plus four to your attack and damage. That means you caught them flat-footed and they, they weren't, weren't expecting the attack. So it means you also probably want to buy like stealth as a skill so you can sneak up on people and get the drop on them. And then you get a plus four, which, by the way, helps counteract the minus four you get for attacking things like the head. And therefore, you can actually do a lot more damage to somebody at that point if you can sneak up on somebody so yeah we're talking about why you know why, why would you use uh, uh hand-to-hand uh, combat over range weapons one way is because you can sneak up on somebody and catch them unawares and put a knife through their throat and stop them from calling out for for the other guards you know uh one and it's an interesting thing because reading the rules if, if the if the guy only has a rifle in his hand and you get close combat he's considered unarmed for close combat until you can figure out how to turn his rifle into a club at that point. So rifles don't necessarily make you armed in close combat, and that's a minus two to your, to your parry at that point. You know, Like I said, you can use your rifle as a club, but that means you're at minus one now as a parry weapon and minus one to combat. So it's, it's, you're improvising your rifle as a club. So yeah, bayonets come in handy, which means you, the, the, I can treat your rifle as a short spear, and then it counts. But if it's just a, you know, like an M16, uh, I'm sorry, it's gonna come apart first time someone hits it really hard.
4: <laughs> it's fiberglass, John. It's fiberglass. <laughs> I've struck people, I've struck targets and things with the, the butt of a, M16A2, and I've never seen one break off. I've even seen one get run up by a truck. I know, I know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, there's a lot of aspects. I mean, you can actually not even not taking certain edges. If you pl- if you and I hate to use the term game the system, you can get uh, various uh, you you can get various bonuses to your tech. So yeah, I'm looking at a, a, a character, depending on your character. There's one edge called assassin. You basically it's a, it's a profession care. You can take it novice, which means if you if you can get the circumstances just right, you can potentially get yourself a plus six on attack, which is like an, almost an automatic, you know, go through the defense's attack at that point.
4: If they're, a, you know, so if you're if you're going up against um, a, a level zero NPC, then it's pretty much... All she wrote. You're gonna, yeah, pretty much you've you followed all the way through.
1: They're popcorn, yeah, you just blow through them, right.
4: Sounds sounds to me like in some of these modern systems that that uh, bayonet training hasn't been like all the way game through. Well, if you took somebody from say Victorian Earth and Fringeworthy and they're a soldier of the British Empire, they they grew up with. A bayonet on the end of a Brown Bess rifle or an early Lee Enfield, and we're talking seven feet of rifle and eighteen to twenty-four inches of blade. If they come to get you. It is, for all intents and purposes, a spear, and it is with made of steel and hardwoods. You could swing at a sword, and you're barely going to dent the wooden furniture.
0: Yeah, I mean it is. Uh, actually, a bayonet is available as a as a weapon, either by itself. Or as end of a rifle, in fact, and then at the end of a rifle, it does strength D plus D6, like a spear does. It gives you a plus one parry, and it has a reach of one, which means it reaches one uh, into the next. It can, you can basically attack someone who's not, not adjacent to you, and it also gives you, but it is a two-handed weapon, so yeah, you have to use both hands, but that goes with the, goes with the game. But yeah, it, it, it's there, and it does it does give you some benefits. Yeah,
5: and so, uh, a 1d6 a weapon isn't the toughest you'll find, but it's pretty tough, and a character properly leveraged can do some damage with it.
0: It's your strength die plus d6, so if your strength is d8, well, that's d8 plus d6, that's, that can do some damage. Uh,
5: okay, I thought you were talking about d20, where it's your strength bonus plus d6, which is a very similar mechanism. It's not all that different at all. Yeah, yeah.
4: It,
0: it, it, yeah, it's pretty pretty much the same in that aspect though in, in Savage Worlds uh you don't take hit points you take wound levels so if you if you can do enough damage to get through someone's get through someone's uh toughness that, that toughness is basically their armor plus where their innate toughness is uh you can do a wound to them which gives them a minus on all their trait tests afterwards and that can uh, severely hurt somebody uh you know
2: Well, John, most of the time when you're in fights in Savage Worlds, you're not up against people that have multiple wounds. So really, when you do a wound to somebody, they're out.
0: Yeah, mooks. Most mooks, not talking player characters. If a mook gets a shot through, that that, that hurts you. Well, let's not use the word mooks
2: because most people consider them to be characters that are really, really low level. I mean, anybody else besides the main characters uh, or important NPCs are like this in so Savage World.
0: You can always, well, actually, I think it was a, a someone advanced the idea of advanced mooks where they actually can actually take one wound before they go down. So, but that's you know, I, I sometimes I do that when it's getting too easy for the players. All of a sudden, they have henchmen instead of mooks, and they're a little harder to kill.
4: So the toughs, the the fighters, or the in the like this, the street tufts, the thugs that that go hand to hand as they're You know, their profession versus versus, you know, the angry guy in a bar.
0: Well, no, because sometimes you you, uh, a lot of games, a lot of the NPCs you run into are going to be one hit wonders. You hit them once and they go down. Or they get shaken. Yeah.
4: Well, well, D&D parlance, that was a level zero.
6: Well, that wraps up another episode of the TriTag podcast. Stick around, because next week, part two. Hey there, this is Ben Gerber from
1: Troll in the Corner, and I'd like to invite you to listen to my podcast, Indie Talks. Indie Talks is a discussion about independent publishing, where we take a look at indie games, the people who write them, and the people who play them. We're going to branch a little farther afield as well and talk to some independent television and movie stars and creators, as well as crafters, all of who are related
5: to gaming in some way, shape, or form. So please join me on the Troll in the Corner network at trollitc.com and give Indie Talks a listen.
2: This is Bruce Sheffer saying, There are a million, million worlds out there,
0: so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying, Keep your powder dry and
6: keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game,
1: hate the players.
5: This is Jay. Keep it simple. The players are going to complicate it for you.
1: And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming it's for having fun. <laughs>
0: Yo, brothers, this was the tri Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and, sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at tri Games. And if you don't, we'll be having your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers.